Well, good morning. Please find uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in your Bibles, please. Uh, the children are dismissed for a time. We'll see them again in a few minutes. Um, let me say how I think what we're all feeling is just beautiful to hear this worship take place in different languages. Um, it, it really is, is just an incredible blessing. And it's nice to see many of you who have returned maybe for the first time since uh, COVID came. Uh, we're just delighted to see everyone here. If you're here for the first time, if you're a returning visitor or haven't been in a while, we are delighted to see all of you. So uh, as we want us to think just for a few minutes about what this day means to us, uh, about four o'clock yesterday morning, I awoke to, the, to realize that I had missed a, a phone call from my sister and I saw that a voicemail had come in and I listened, but her message was totally garbled. I could really only understand one word, mom. Well, our brother is 96 years old, so of course my first thought was the inevitable has happened. Uh, another one from the, the greatest generation, right? Uh, not yet, as it turns out. She is tough. She is back home. Um, but the reality is, that was, would not have been unexpected. Um, that day is coming. It is coming for her. She's tough, but she's not tougher than death. She's tougher than me, but she's not tougher than death. And that day is coming for her. It is coming for me. It's coming for you. If you need a reminder, if you get bored, just look out the window and you will know that we are all standing in a big line and your day is coming. But thankfully, my thoughts went not just to the reality of, of death, but the fact that death does not have the last word. And for that, we can say hallelujah, because today of all days, that is what we remember, that he is risen. You can say he's risen indeed. That's all right. Christos Viat. There you go. Said it for seven years in Romania. That's right. Uh, beautiful. To, just a way to greet one another in these days. And this is one thing that separates Christianity from the religions of the world is the resurrection. And there are, really are two questions for us to consider as we think about the resurrection. The first is, did it really happen? Did Jesus Christ really rise from the dead? Because it seems impossible, right? Dead people stay dead. It's just a given. But the second question is, does it matter? Does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, the second question you might say, as people have said to me, you know, I really like everything I know about Jesus, but I just can't believe in the resurrection. Is it possible to believe in Jesus without believing in the resurrection? Well, that tells us why this matters, because if Jesus is not alive, nothing he said or did matters. Not one thing. Right? It would be not only impossible, but pointless to believe in Jesus if he is not alive, if he is still in the grave. But if he did rise again, then in fact, Everything he said and did matters, and it matters greatly. So it matters so much that every one of us needs to look at this and explore this with an open mind. So let's think about the first question then. 
Did it really happen? Did Jesus really rise from the, the dead? But again, it is hard to believe because dead people stay dead, right? We might think that ancient people were superstitious, that, you know, we're modern now. We know that dead people stay dead, but ancient people were more superstitious. They believed in resurrection. It wasn't a, an unusual thought, but we know better now because of scientific advance. Actually, until Jesus Christ rose again, everyone believed that dead people stay dead. <laughs> that, that, that was a first, okay? To rise, never to die again. It is also true that some religions have an idea, a belief in resurrection. For example, Judaism believes that at the end of human history, the dead will be raised, that everyone will be, will be raised. But no one believed that an individual would return to life from death in the middle of human history. No one believed that until it happened. Now, I've had people here in, in Czech Republic tell me they can't believe in the resurrection because of the science. Well, I understand that the biological science says resurrection is impossible. Dead people stay dead. But the historical science says it happened. A man who was clearly dead just as clearly returned to life on the third day. So which science do we believe? Which science do we trust? We have credible evidence that this did in fact happen, even if our current scientific understanding can't explain it. So in the New Testament, this passage was read from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul, and in there, Paul describes two lines of evidence for us to see that the resurrection is something that we can believe. It is a credible historical event. The first thing that Paul mentioned is that Jesus' tomb is empty. Actually, it's not empty. There are nearly always tourists there, but uh, he, he hasn't been there in a long time. I've been there, always tourists. Some, some American, overweight, big, you know, flowery shirt and camera and, so, and a gun, because that's how you know they're Americans. So, just kidding. Like a joke, but not funny. Some things haven't changed you, so my jokes still aren't funny. Thought things would lighten up when you left, but it's just still as depressing as ever. So, uh, just like a joke, not funny. Okay, so Paul's first line of evidence is that the tomb is empty. There is no one there. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus was buried. So a proper burial was very important for Jewish people. It was a great dishonor to be left unburied, to, to not have a burial and a funeral. And when we read in the gospel accounts, we can't help but notice the care with which those who had loved Jesus, the, the care that they showed to his body, washing it, carrying it, wrapping it, laying it in a tomb um, from, from Joseph of Arimathea. The New Testament, and the New Testament tells us that this was the first thing the disciples discovered. <laughs> to their great surprise, Jesus' tomb was empty. Still with the cloths that had been wrapped around him, all lying in place, but they were left behind. The place of Jesus' burial was known to many, and if he were still in the grave, the resurrection would be easy to disprove. But there was no body there. And in fact, if there had been a body, Paul would have no reason to mention his burial here in 1 Corinthians 15, but he does, and that's why he does. Now, by itself, that's not much, because we could think, well, his followers stole the body to make people think he rose. But of course, this creates an ethical problem for a movement that denounces deception when said movement is in fact based on a lie if Jesus did not rise from the dead. 
So there's that ethical dilemma. But also, Jesus' followers were not expecting a resurrection. They, they were not, on that Sabbath between the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, they were not plotting together how to convince the world that something had happened and create a new world religion. They were hiding for fear of their lives. And they were not expecting a resurrection. But the tomb was empty. The second line of evidence is that Jesus appeared to people. For over 40 days, he appeared to different people in different places, in towns, in the country, by the sea, on the road, indoors, outdoors, to individuals and to groups, to as many as 500, as Paul says. He was standing, he was walking, he was eating, even cooking fish in one story. And he was always talking, asking questions, talking, explaining. Could these stories have been made up? Yes, but it's highly unlikely. For one thing, in the text that was read, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul mentions eyewitnesses. And he names some of them. And he says some of them are still alive. These were eyewitnesses who could confirm the truth of what they had seen with their own eyes. And it's hard to believe that all of these people would keep up the charade if it were false. And yet, they all did. Another thing is that in the stories of, of Jesus' appearances, he appeared first to some women who had followed him. And at that time, the testimony of women was not accepted in any legal court. And so you, the only reason for the Gospels to say he appeared first to women is that's why, that's how it happened, <laughs> that he appeared to these women first. Okay? This was not a convincing way to write the story, but they were committed to saying, this is what happened. And so that's why it's told this way. And then in uh, all the stories, Jesus appears like an ordinary person. He appears on the road. He's walking, talking with people. He, he's, he just appears just like one of them, right? And yet you would think if the New Testament writers wanted to make this more convincing, if this were a charade that they were trying to convince everyone about, they might make him some dazzling angelic figure, some of the like some of the figures we encounter in the Old Testament, maybe in Revelation, but they don't do that. He's just a guy walking down a road, just a guy by the sea cooking fish for his friends, you know? Why tell the story this way? Well, because that's how it happened. These stories are true. They are credible. They are believable. As I've already said, his early followers didn't expect a resurrection. They didn't even believe it at first. So if the New Testament writers are trying to make the story more persuasive, it's likely they would have painted his followers in a little bit different light. But they are as incredulous as everyone else. The only reason for their stories to be told the way they are is that that's how they happened. These are credible stories. So we have historical evidence. We have the empty tomb. We have the appearances of Jesus to people who had known him, even to James, his brother who knew him, knew him well, right? Is there another explanation? Well, some suggest that Jesus' disciples wanted so badly for him to be alive that they convinced themselves he had risen. Now, no doubt they were devastated by his death and wished he were alive, but of all the things they could have imagined, resurrection was not one of them. They knew that dead people stay dead. They weren't looking for this. It was hard for them to even believe he had risen when they saw him. 
Others have suggested maybe he didn't really die. It just looked like he died because obviously crucifixion was a terrible physical ordeal. So possibly he just appeared to be dead, but not really. So let's follow this line of thinking. So after the ordeal of crucifixion, placed in a tomb, sealed, wrapped head to foot in cloths, weighed down with probably 30 kilograms of spices, all of this contributed to a complete recovery by the third day. I think I might try this the next time I get sick. <laughs> I mean, come on. If you get cured of crucifixion, of, of wounds from this, we should all be doing this, right? No, it's ludicrous, right? There's, there's nothing in the stories that indicate this. In fact, we also need to understand that people of that day faced death around them all the time. Death was not sanitized and hidden away like it is today, right? It's, you know, it, it was just there. It was everywhere. Everybody knew somebody who had died. The lifespans were not nearly what they are in our day. And everyone was confronted with death on a regular basis. They knew what death looked like. And dead people stayed dead. It was over. Or so they thought. And Paul continues because in the, besides the empty tomb and the personal and the um, the appearances of Jesus, there is also the personal impact because there is, we have the remarkable transformation of the first believers. They went from not expecting the resurrection to, in most cases, giving their lives for their faith in a risen Christ. And the growth of Christianity in the first three centuries is nothing less than astounding. It suggests they had a message that was compelling and convincing, and many people from many nations believed it and paid with their own lives for their faith. But finally, Paul says uh, in the text from 1 Corinthians 15 that the resurrection of Jesus changed his life. You remember, he says, last of all, he appeared to me as to one untimely born. The risen Jesus appeared to Paul, and Paul was never the same. He was transformed from a persecutor of the church to one of its great leaders, planted many churches, shared the, spread the gospel to the nations. He's transformed from a persecutor to one who would later say, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He could not say that had he not encountered the risen Christ himself on that day. And the risen Jesus has changed many lives, lives of many who are in this room, many who are watching online. Many thousands, millions of people have been transformed by the risen Christ. I am one of them. There was a time when I thought, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't matter. It's just some nice religious thing. It's what we do. It's what we think about. It's the way life is. I had no concept that it actually mattered. But I stand before you today convinced, having explored this for myself, not only did this happen, but it matters. Everything Jesus said and everything he did matters. And he did some amazing things, right? There's miracles, healings. With a word, sometimes without even a word. Calming a storm, multiplying food, walking on water, raising the dead. All of these testify to his divine authority. And then there are a few things he said. I'll just mention three of them. One was already read earlier, John eleven twenty five. He has conquered death. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. John five twenty four. He is our hope for everlasting life, now and forever. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. 
And then he is the only one worthy of our hope. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the good news is this. He is risen. Death is conquered. The curse is broken. Deliverance from judgment is available. Forgiveness for the past. Fullness of life in the present. Hope for the future. All of these are within reach because he is risen. Now I understand that nothing I've said this morning is concrete proof that Jesus rose from the dead. But I hope you can, if you're struggling to believe this, I hope you can at least see it is credible. It is worth exploring. It is defensible. And it matters. And if you would like to know more, please see one of us after the service. Uh, and we're happy to point you in a direction. I will we'll close as I recommend a book by Timothy Keller called Hope in Times of Fear. And uh, Keller is a pastor in New York City in Manhattan and uh, written some, a lot of things, but this was a book I read last year. Uh, he's actually dealing with pancreatic cancer, so um, that might be the end of his earthly ministry, but he has hope, as we all do, in the face of death. So, dead people stay dead, or do they? Because one has defeated death. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we gladly bow before you and acknowledge you as our risen Lord, Savior. You have conquered death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And we acknowledge you as our Lord. I pray that your resurrection will become real in our lives, just as it happened in history, that we will walk in newness of life as you promised. And for any today who are struggling to understand that are wrestling with that question of, did this happen and does it matter? I pray that you would make the truth plain to them and that it would change their lives as you have changed so many in this room, mine included. So we thank you. Thank you that we can gather today and celebrate this very fact. And the celebration doesn't end today because you are risen. And that's true. It's true until we see you again. We look forward to that day. We thank you in the name of Jesus, in your name. Amen.